Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Shalom, everyone. Zat Hashem, we're continuing today in Mesechet Sanhedrin with Dalit Amud Bet 4b, and we're going to begin at Rabbi Yehuda ben Ro'et, which is the fourth line on the page on Dalit Amud Bet. Zat Hashem, our learning today should be as Refuash Lema, a quick recovery for Yaakov ben Dina. Now, Chever, let's remember where we're up to. We're going to have two sections today. The first is actually going to be a conclusion of the answer we left off with yesterday in explaining the Machloket Rebbe and the Rabbanan, which was the third attempted answer to understand their debate. We'll continue and explain each of the Tanaim that were listed of the total of five that they fit within that Shita. The Gemara will ultimately refute this in the second section and give another final two attempted answers with the fifth one finally being an accepted answer for how we could understand the Machloket Rebbe and the Rabbanan, as well as these other Machloketim that we've had so far. Okay, so important to get the brief background before we begin here, because we're kind of in the middle of a sugya. We had a Machloket earlier on a Braitza, which was on Gimel Amudvet, regarding how many judges are necessary to adjudicate ca- uh, monetary cases. The Rabbanan said you need three judges, and Rebbe said you need five. So the Gemara tried to explain what the Machloket was dependent on. It said one explanation, but it refuted that. We're not going to get back into that right now. And then it said a second explanation, which was supported by Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Yosef, is that there is a fundamental Machloket between Rebbe and the Rabbanan, which is a Shas Machloket, if we hold Yesh Em Lemikra or Yesh Em Lemesoret which means that the word Yarshi'un in the Pasuk, as it talks about the judges for monetary cases, could either be understood plural or singular. If you follow Mikra, the way it's Yesh Emle Mikra, that the expounding of words in the Torah are to be expounded, understood based on how they're read, so Yarshi'un is plural, Elohim will be plural, and since it's twice, so it'll mean four, which means a total of five, which is Rebbe's position. However, the Rabbanan disagreed and said, since it's written chaser, it's written without a vav between the ayin and the nun, so it's as if it's written yarshi'an, which is singular. Elohim is one, Elohim is two, which means you can't have a total of two, so you have a total of three because you can't have an even court. And this was the first, or the, or the second explanation of this debate, which we had, we discussed more yesterday, that Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Yosef supported by showing four other arguments or four other sources in Shas that we find Tanaim that also hold of the position of Yesh Em Lemikra. So there is a Machloket according to this answer in Shas if we hold Yesh Em Lemikra, Yesh Em Lemesoret. And Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Yosef went through four more examples of Tanaim who hold Yesh Em Lemikra to support Rabbi's position here. Beautiful. However, we left off at the bottom of Dalad Amud Aleph, turning to Dalad Amud Bet yesterday, is that Rav Achabar Yaakov refuted this approach, because this approach would seem to imply that this idea of Yesh Em Lemikra and Yesh Em Lemesoret is a machloket across the board, but we know that that's not true, because then it would come out that the Shitotu hold Yesh Em Lemesoret that the way we expound Sukim, which would be, for example, the Rabbanan of Rebbe, or Beit Hillel versus Beit Shammai, as some of the Machloktim that we had yesterday, 
would not know that there's a prohibition of cooking meat in milk. Now, why would that be? Because the Torah says, Lo gedi imo. The way that we understand the verse is, you should not cook, uh, don't cook a kid, which is meat, bachalev imo. So chalev is chalav, is milk. But if you follow the Masoret, so it's not necessarily that you need to follow the way it's actually read, which is milk, you could actually read it as chalev, which is fat. So maybe the Pasuk is only telling us there's a prohibition to cook meat in fat. And we know that that's not true. Everybody agrees to that drasha. So it would appear then that there is not such a capacity to say it's a general machloket of yeshem mikra mesoret, because then how would the other shitot to say mesoret know the prohibition of cooking meat and milk? So based on this question, the Gemara gave a third, which we started off with yesterday, a third way to explain the debate Rebbe and the Rabbanan. And we're going to continue today within this and the, towards the top of Dalad Mubet to understand the other four arguments, the other four Tanaim that we quoted yesterday, which was that really everybody agrees Yesh Em Lemikra. And that's why we know it's it's Chalav in the Pasuk, because that's the way it's read. Even though it could be read, Masoret could imply that it's Chalav, that it's fat. It's read, Mikra is Chalav, and therefore that's the way we know to read it. But now we have to go back to the original Machloket, Rebbe and the Rabbanan, what's the point of debate? So we explained, even though everybody holds Yesh Em Lemikra, the machloket is, Yarshiyun is for sure a plural terminology. The question is, how do you understand it in the context of the verse? So Rebbe says, like we said yesterday, Yarshiyun is plural, which means Elohim is plural. Since Elohim is plural, we compare it to the earlier one, the earlier one's also plural, which would give you a total of four. Elohim plus Elohim, plural plus plural would be four. You can't have an even court, male would have to be five. But the Rabbanan say, no, that's not how you understand the Pasuk. Yarshiyun is plural because it's saying, one Elohim, which is the one right next to it, Yashun Elohim, plus the other Elohim that we mentioned before, which is also singular, together equals two. So one plus one equals Yashun, as they shall indict, which is a plurality, and therefore it can be even, so it would have to be three. But in this approach, what we're about to do now, which is the third attempt at understanding of this Machlok at Rebbe and the Rabbanan, everyone agrees, Yesh Em Lemikra, and as we're going to continue now, we're going to have to go through the four other debates that Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Yosef quoted yesterday, which seemed to support, su support the fact that some Tanayim might hold Yeshem Lemesoret, we're going to have to show everyone holds Mikra and then re-explain those arguments as we go through them. So we're going to begin again, the fourth line on Dalad Amud Bet, Rabbi Yehuda Ben Ro'etz. Now, let's just remember, the second Tana that Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Yosef quoted was Rabbi Yehuda Ben Ro'etz. Now he said, Rabbi Yehuda Bar uh, Ben Ro'etz said, that the Pasuk, when it comes to a woman who gives birth, to a girl, it says she's Tmei'ah for Shavu'ayin. Shavu'ayin means for two weeks, for 14 days. But it's written without Nikudot, and therefore the Masoret means the way you could read it could be Shiv'im. She should be Tmei'ah for uh, 70 days. So the Gemara says, well, this doesn't contradict this new answer because nobody argues on him. Everybody agrees with him. So therefore, everyone agrees in this context, yesh em lemikra. You follow the way it's traditionally read, not the way that it could be written and therefore pronounced. So the Gemara says, that doesn't challenge this at all. That actually fits very nicely. Continues the Gemara, Rav Yudah ben Ro'etz, lo pligi rabbanan alei. The rabbis don't argue because they agree, yesh em lemikra, like we're saying now, is agreed upon by everybody. Okay, but that brings us to the third Tanayim, which was a Machloket Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. And in this regard, we did seem to have a Machloket if we follow Misoret or Mikra. Let's remember, what was this Machloket? So we had a debate regarding a Korban Chatat. 
We said, Korban Chatat was sprinkled on the outer altar, the outer Mizbeach, which was in the Azara, the courtyard. And it was sprinkled specifically on the top half, above the Chut Asikra, above the red line. Now the Pasuk there, as we understood initially, it says the word Karnot four times, uh, three times, excuse me. It says the word Karnot three times. Two, uh, two of them, um, sorry, one of them is plural, two of them are singular. So the way we understood is as follows. There's a machlok at Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. Even though Lechatkila, everybody agrees that the Korban Chatat, its blood needs to be sprinkled four times on the outer altar, on the Mizbeach HaChitzon, the outer Mizbeach. How many could one be Yotze B'Diavad if he did? So Beit Shammai said two, and Beit Hillel said you could even be Yotze with one. Now initially we understood this actually comes down to a fundamental machloket if you hold Masoret, if Yesh Em Masoret, which is the position of Beit Hillel, and therefore Karnot, 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 actually one is plural, two are singular, which only gives you a total of four. You can't expound the first one. So therefore, uh, sorry, the way we understood, sorry. Gimel mitzvah v'achat la'akev, which means that, come in, it's fine, come in, come in, come in, which means that three of them would be on top of, hello? I think you're in the wrong building. I think you have to go next door. I think it's next door. I don't think it's this building. Be well. Sorry for the interruption. Let's continue. So the the point is as follows: is that we had the pasuk karnot karnot karnot. That's what happens when you film in public. Karnot 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 is written three times. Karnot, the first one is plural, and the second two are singular, is the way it's written, at least. So we understood as follows. Beit Shammai was of the position that we follow Mikra, and since we follow Mikra, they're all read plural, so that would give you a total of six. So the way Beit Shammai understood was, four of them are lechatchila. you should sprinkle four times for the chatat lechatchila, and it's saying the remaining two is bediavad. If you only sprinkle two times on the top half of the Mizbeach, you'd be yotzei bediavad. Now, Beit Hillel understood, Yeshem lemesoret. No, even though it's read that way, if you look at the verse, the last two karnot are written without a vav, which are singular, karnat. So therefore, you have a total of four. And the way they expound it is, lechatrile, you should actually have four, but with the avad, one would be sufficient. That was the machloket. But the problem is, the way we're explaining in this third understanding of the machloket is everybody agrees, Yeshem lemikra. So the Gemara turns its attention now. How would Beit Hillel, assuming they held Yesh Em Lemikra, understand you only need one Bediavad, it would be sufficient to sprinkle one time on the Mizbeach, the blood, in order to be Yotze. So the Gemara understands as follows. The Gemara explains back in the Sugya. Beit Hillel Detanya. Beit Hillel explained their position even though they hold Yesh Em Lemikra based on the following Brayta. It says in the Pasuk three times regarding the Chatat, V'kiper, V'kiper, V'kiper. It says, it shall be an atonement three times. So the Gemara says, Mipnei Hadim. This three times that it says V'kiper is going to teach us according to Beit Hillel even if you sprinkle the blood only one time on the Mizbeach for a Korban Chatat, Yotzei B'diavad. Now, we'll explain at the end of this conversation how we know it refers to one time. But the Gemara continues, the Brayta says, the reason you need the Psukim to teach us this, that one time is sufficient, because logically, you may have said that you'd be Yotze uh, with one out of four. Meaning to say is, as we're about to see, it's not going to be so straightforward. Meaning, there is going to be a logical debate if you should be Yotze with one, or you should actually require four. 
based on that being a point of debate, we need these psukim, v'kiper, 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 to teach us that you're yotze even one time sprinkling the korban chatat. How, what's the debate? So the Gemara, the Breitat challenges and says, wait a second, I don't need uh, psukim for that, because I'll show you logically, I would know naturally you only need uh, one. Why? Because v'alodinu, it's a kalvachomer. I'll show you based on kalvachomer, one should be sufficient. And if so, you shouldn't need psukim to tell me that you need one. Because ne'amar damim lemata, we know that it says the word damim, bloods. When it comes to sprinkling below the chutasikra, below the red line, which refers to other korbanot, we said yesterday, viola, ashlamim, those korbanot that are sprinkled, that the blood is sprinkled below the red line on the Mizbeach. damim lemala. And it also says the word blood when you sprinkle above for a korban chatat. And so you'll say the following logic, a simple comparison. Ma damim ha'amurim lemata, just as the blood that are sprinkled below. Shenatnan b'matana achat kiper, as we learned yesterday. Regarding those, l'chatchili you need two applications. We said b'diavad, if you had one application, you're yotze. So if you're comparing the blood that are sprinkled below to those above, so you'll say logically, aftamim ha'amurim also, when you sprinkle the, the bloods above, which is referring to the korban chatat, it should be sufficient even to have one. So I shouldn't need the verses of kiper, 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 because logically, based on a comparison between the korbanot whose bloods are sprinkled below the red line and above the right line, it should be sufficient to have one. So what do I need the psukim for? So the Gemara says, no, I'll show you why you need the psukim. Because you could argue on that logic. Maybe you should go in this direction. Now, as I've been saying all along, we know there's a Mizbech outside in the Azara, and there was also a Mizbech inside in the inner, inner sanctum, in inner sanctuary in the Beit HaMikdash. Now, there were certain chata'ot that their bloods were sprinkled, korban chatat, their bloods were also sprinkled, unique ones. I think parhel and davar shel tzibur, par of kohen gadol, there's specific ones, but their blood was sprinkled actually in the inner one, which was made out of gold. So the Gemara says, and what maybe you should compare the sprinkling of the bloods in the outer one to the sprinkling of the bloods on the, of the chata'ot that are sprinkled on the inner one. Because ne'amar damim bachutz, it says bloods on the outer mizbech. Ve'ne'amar damim bifnim, and it also says bloods on the inner mizbech. Just as regarding the bloods that are sprinkled for chata'ot, for the korban chatat inside the, the Beit HaMikdash, we know that the halacha is, if he was lacking even one of the four, you're not even yotze b'diavad. So maybe you should compare in that direction and say, so too regarding the bloods that are mentioned outside, meaning the korban chatat that's sprinkled on the outer Maybe if you're lacking even one, you're not Yotze. And from this we would say, one should not be sufficient, but you should actually need all four. So the Gemara says, now we have, the Brayta saying, logic in both directions. Either we compare the sprinkling of the chata'ot that are done outside to the sprinkling of the carbonot that are done below the miz- on the lower half of the mizbech. Since one is yotzei b'diavad in those, you should also be yotzei b'diavad with the sprinkling of the chata'ot above. Or we should compare them, says the Braita, the sprinkling of the chata'ot that are done outside the mizbech hachitzon, the outer mizbech, the outer altar, to the sprinkling of the bloods of the chatot that are done on the inner altar, which is mizbech hazahav, where you need all four to be done, to be yotze, even be the avad. So you have logic on both sides. Continues the Braita. So near lemi dome. Let's analyze which direction is more similar, more comparable. <speaking in Hebrew> 
And the Brayta says, Danin chutz mi chutz, it's more logical that we should compare the outside Mizbeach's korbanot to the outside Mizbeach's korbanot, i.e. one is sufficient, just as it's sufficient with sprinkling of the korbanot that are done below the red line. Ve'ein danin chutz mi bifnim, and logically don't compare the outer chata'ot to the inner chata'ot. So this seems to be a great logic, so as to say that you don't even need a pasuk to tell me one is sufficient Beit Hillel, because logically you should be able to deduce that. But the Brayta continues and says, or maybe you look at it the other way. That you should expound a chatat offering that requires four applications of blood and learn from another chatat offering that requires four applications. Meaning, compare the one that's done inside to the one that's done outside. And don't deduce from the other types of korbanot that are sprinkled on the lower half of the outer mizbeach, which don't have the halacha. They're not a chatat, and you don't need four applications. You only need two, like we spoke out before. So maybe then you should compare it in that direction and say just as the inner chataot require four, four sprinklings, the outer ones should also, and you shouldn't be yotze with one. Therefore, says Beitilel, I need these three bechiper to teach me. Don't make the comparison in the wrong direction. Rather, even with one application, bediavad, you would be yotze. And what is that to tell us? Talmud lomar vikiper vikiper vikiper. Because of the arguments, the logic that we've just deduced, we need these drashot to tell us that you could have one sprinkling with a korban chatat outside and you'd be yotze b'diavad. Now, how is it to be understood? So the word v'kiper means atonement. What it's saying is, even if you lack a certain ideal element, you'll still be yotze. And therefore, each of the three teach us even if you're lacking one of the four that you should lechatchila require, you're still going to be yotze, and that's how the Gemara explains it. Kiper, you'll be yotze, you'll, atone, you'll receive atonement. Afal pishalonatan elashlosha. Even if he only applied three sprinklings, the second kiper kiper afal pishalonatan elashtayim. You receive an atonement even if you had only two applications for the chatat. And finally, as it takes us to the final point, kiper. You'll be yotze b'diavad. Again, you'll receive an atonement for the chatat, even if you only had one application of the blood. So really, it's expounded in a way of limiting the requirement to be yotze. You're yotze even if you only have three applications. Only two, only one. Thus, Beit Hillel say that we know from this that one application would be sufficient. But let's not forget the train of thought here. So what we've just shown in this third attempted explanation of the Machloket Rebbe and Rabbanan is that everyone agrees, yesh em lemikra, we expound the verses as they are read. Ah, it says karnot, 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 plural, so maybe you should need two applications like Beit Shammai to be yotze b'diavad with a chatat, says Beit Hillel. We have verses of kiper, 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 which imply to us that even if you have one application, you're yotze b'diavad. But we agree, as we're saying now, because everyone holds yesh em lemikra. Let's move on now to the fourth Tanaim debate we had yesterday and explain how everyone holds within this position yesh em lemikra. So this was the machlok at Rabbi Shimon and the Rabbanan. Rabbi Shimon and the Rabbanan debated how many walls does a sukkah need b'diavad for it to be considered a structure that you'd be yotzei the sukkah. Rabbi Shimon said it needs to be three plus a tefach and the Rabbanan said it needs to be two walls plus a tefach. The way we understood it yesterday is this was a machloket because it says the word sukkot, sukkot, sukkot. It says it three times. 
the two times are written without a vav, and one time is written with a vav. So we understood that one of them you can't use because you don't expound the first word in a grouping of drashot. But then what it came down to was, there was a halacha Moshe Sinai that says the last of the walls could be a tefach, and then the question was, is the word Sukkot that's written without a vav to be understood plural or not, which is a machloket, yesh em lemikra mesoret. But now we're trying to explain everybody holds yesh em lemikra. So now we have to understand the position of the Rabbanan, how they would explain that even though we hold yesh em lemikra, you only need two and a tefach. So says the Gemara, What are they arguing about? Rabbi Shimon, Savar Rabbi Shimon holds ba'ikra. He says like this. Really what happens is you have four verses that are left for expounding. The way we're understanding, yesh em lemikra. You don't need to use one of those words, sukkah, to teach us that you have a roof. The schach. You don't need it for that. So since you have four, and like we said, the halacha Sinai limits the last one to being a tefach, therefore it's three and a tefach. Rabbanan Sabri, but the Rabbanan disagree, even though you should have four, because yesh em lemikra, like we're saying now, you need to use one of those drashot for schach. So therefore you're really only left with three. Three, one is limited to being a tefach. Schacha, ba'ikra, the Rabbanan say, you need to use one of those drashot for the number, but not for the number of walls. One of them has to be expounded for the schach, for the roof, and therefore you only have three. One is diminished to a tefach, and therefore everybody agrees, yeshem lemikra, we've explained this machloket as well. Now, the final machloket we had yesterday, trying to show that there was a debate, yeshem lemikra, mesoret, was Rabbi Akiva and the Rabbanan. This was regarding if the of the blood of a dead body, is it only one dead body's uh, blood when it's a revit, a revit alug, when it's a revit, a quarter of a alug, when, is that sufficient to convey tum'ah if it's from one body? Or even if it's a combination of two different bodies, it would also convey tum'at ohel. The tum'ah one can contract in, a, in a, an enclosure. Now the way we understood it yesterday was it says nafshot in the pasuk. Nafshot means, as Rabbi Akiva understands, Plural, bodies. So bodies that give out blood, it could combine together and it can convey tumat ohel, if it's a revi'it. Rabbanan said, no, it's written without a vav, so it's nafshat, which is mesoret. So we have to understand now, how do the Rabbanan fit within this new understanding? Everyone agrees, yesh em lemikra. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Akiva, v'Rabbanan ba'apligi. Rabbi Akiva and the Rabbanan, this is what they debate. Rabbi Akiva savar nafshot tarti mashma. Rabbi Akiva holds, the word nafshot implies two bodies. Simple reading. Two bodies, which means if you have two bodies and they each produce a certain amount of blood which joins together to be a revi'it, that would be sufficient if somebody was in the ohel, the enclosure with it, to become tameh. The Rabbanan, the Rabbanan don't disagree that it's a plural language, but they understand, they'll speak it out, they understand nafshot just means bodies, meaning a person who goes over bodies, it's talking about bahove, like in a general situation, he will become tameh. But it has to be a quarter of a look from one body in order to be considered the capacity to convey tum'ah. It doesn't mean that two bodies convey tum'ah if they produce a revi'it of blood. Rabbanan savri nafshot ta'alma mashma. It means bodies in general. It's, the Torah is talking like it talks, which is bodies in general, if they produce blood, so then they could convey tum'ah. But it has to be one body, and therefore even though they hold yesh em lemikra, they disagree with Rabbi Akiva in this context. Beautiful. Nafshot ta'alma mashma. Fine. Okay, so now according to this answer, which is the second, again, sorry, the third way we understand the debate, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbanan, 
Everybody agrees yesh em lemikran. We've explained all five machloktim, all five of the debates within that position of yesh em lemikra. Now, the Gemara says this approach does not work. Let me just speak out why it doesn't work, because we're about to show, it appears at least, that there is clearly a Tana who holds yesh em lemasoret, because we've just eliminated that Tana. There is a Tana who holds that even if the verses are not read a certain way, we expound them as they're written and not read. So therefore, the Gemara is going to say it appears to be a machloket in general. You can't do, do away with that Tana because, as we'll see, there is such an author. Now, where is that found? So this is a discussion regarding tefillin. We know that a Jewish man wears tefillin on his head and on his arm. Tefillin Shabirosh and tefillin shalyad. Now, the tefillin shalyad is one compartment that has four scrolls, four parchments that are put inside of it. But it's one compartment and four uh, scrolls are put into that one compartment. The tefillin shalrosh, the tefillin that we put on our head, there's actually four separate compartments. Now how do we know there's four separate compartments? So there is a halakha lemoshem isinai, there's a, or a, a Torah, Torah shabal peh element to this, but the Tanaim in this Brayta, as we're about to show, show verses in the Psukim that imply that when it comes to tefillin shalrosh, the tefillin of the head, there has to be four separate compartments, one for each of the four scrolls that are put inside of it. And this is going to show us that there is a concept of yesh em you can't do away with that Tana. So let's see. Asks the Gemara, are you telling me that everyone agrees you expound the verses as they're read and not written? But the Brayta teaches, we know it says regarding Tefillin Shalrosh, it says in the Pasuk, now, Totafot means the Tefillin, the sections of the Tefillin. Two times is written without a Vav, even though it's read plural, and one time is written plural. Rabbi Yishmael says, this teaches us that there have to be four sections in the Tefillin Shalrosh. This is talking about Tefillin Shalrosh. Clearly, Rabbi Yishmael says, since the two first times, even though they're read in a plural form, totafot, plural, nonetheless, since it's read totefet, which is singular, it means one. One plus one plus two equals four. Thus, you need four sections when it comes to tefillin shalrosh. But you see clearly he's expounding the verse as the Mesoret implies, not as it's actually read. Now let's finish the Brayta. Rabbi Akiva Omer, you don't actually need that drasha because Rabbi Akiva says that if you it's you take the word totafot and you break it up into two parts, the verse implies in foreign languages, four sections. How do we know that? Because totafot is an acronym. It's tat and pat, as we'll see. Tat bekafti shtayim. Tat in the kafti language, it's some foreign language, is two. And pat, second part of the word, baafriki. In afriki, this is some African dialect, is shtayim. It also means two. So therefore, Rabbi Akiva says, you don't need that drasha, but the point is, it means four sections just in the word itself. But the point we've just shown is this third answer is untenable because you see clearly there is a Tanner, at least Rabbi Yishmoel holds, you follow the Masoret. Since it's written singular, even though it's read plural, you still follow the singular reading. So you can't tell me that there's no Machloket if there's Yeshem the Masoret or Mikraz. There's clearly a Tana who holds Yeshem the Masoret. Ella, so the Gemara moves on now. We'll have two final answers. 
Le'olam pligi. So the Gemara says, okay, we reverse course. Let's go back. Fourth answer is like the second answer, which we had yesterday. Really, the Machloket Rebbe and the Rabbanan is contingent on Yeshem Lemikra, Yeshem Lemesoret. And therefore, Yarshion is either Yarshion, plural, or Yarshion, singular. And that's why it'll either be three or five judges, like we learned yesterday. Le'olam pligi, and they have to argue. But now we're left with a problem. Because we had a, the kasha on that was, it says, Lo tevashel gidi bachalev imo. If you, if you say yesh em lemesoret, so how do you know chalev is milk? Maybe it's chalev. It means, it means uh, fat because you expound the verses not as they're read, but rather as they're written. So maybe there's no prohibition of cooking meat and milk. So the Gemara answers to resolve that issue, vahani mili kipligi, but they only argue in general, in shas, yeshem lemikra mesoret, heicha deshani krami mesoret. This is the yesod, at least for now. Where the reading is different than the way it's written. So what does that mean? Meaning is that the word is written either in an anomaly way, either with a vav or without a vav. So for example, yarshi'un, it's read plural, it's plural, yarshi'un is plural, but it's not written with a vav. So there is clearly a distinction between the kri and the ktiv, the way it's written and the way it's read, meaning the kri, the mikra, yesh em le mikra would say then, okay, darshan the word as it's pronounced. Because even though it's written a certain way without a vav, we follow mikra. But then there's a Tanu who says, oh, we follow the Mesoret. And therefore, that's the Rabbanan who say, Yarshi'an is singular. Therefore, you'll deduce there's three judges necessary for monetary cases and not five. That's where there will be a machloket. But vani miliki mesoret. That's where there's a distinction. Avalai chalev v'chelev But in a scenario like this, where it's chalev and chalev, it's written, both are the same. The way it's written and read, chalev or chalev, it's the same thing. There's no extra vav or lacking of vav. There's no distinction. There's no anomaly in the verses. So then everybody agrees, yesh em lemikra, that we follow the way it's read, which in the context of the verses, bachalev, in the milk of its mother, not chalev. So therefore the Gemara has just corrected the potential issue in this. Really all of those debates that we mentioned yesterday could be contingent if you hold yeshem lemikra mesoret. However, there's only a debate where there is some sort of an anomaly, where it's written yarshi'un without a vav, but it's pronounced yarshi'un. So then you have a machloket, how to darshan the pasuk. But in a scenario where the kri and the ktiv is essentially the same, it's just the changing of the nekudot, didn't need a vav or lacking a vav. So there we read it and we expound it as it's read, which is chalav and not chalav. However, continues the Gemara, this answer doesn't work either. So why doesn't it work? There is a pasuk when it comes to the mitzvah of Aliyah the Regal. We know three times a year there is a mitzvah, at least for the males, uh, to go up to the Beit HaMikdash and appear. It says, Yerah, they shall appear in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now included in this mitzvah is appearing in the Beit HaMikdash and bringing a special ola, special korbanot associated with that. But the verse says, Pesach Shavuot Sukkot, you have to appear in the Beit HaMikdash, front of Hashem. Now, the way it's actually pronounced, the mikra, the kri, is actually yera'eh, like I just said. Shalosh pamim bashana yera'eh kol zechurachel p'nei Adon Hashem. Three times a year, yera'eh. Every male shall appear. Yere'eh means every male shall appear. Okay, that's the way it's read traditionally. But the way it's written and can imply is yere'eh. So when I appear in front of Hashem, Hashem is seeing me. But yere'eh could also mean he sees, means the male who's going shall see. 
which means the male who is going shall see Hashem. And based on this, as we're about to show, there is an author, there is a Tana that we're about to show, who holds that we compare Hashem seeing and my seeing. But the point that we're bringing out from this is, even though there's no anomaly in the verse, it's the same way if it's Yera'er or Yera'eh, we still expound the Mesoret. We still expound the way it's not pronounced, but the way actually we could read it, not the right pronunciation. So you see clearly, even if there's no anomaly, still you could darshan the Mesoret, and therefore it refutes this fourth answer. Let's read that inside. Says the Gemara, Vaharei, but behold, the Pasuk says, it, it could be read, Yir'eh, he shall see, means I see Hashem. And it's actually read, Yir'eh, which is I appear in front of Hashem, i.e. Hashem sees me. It's the same thing. There's no distinction in the way to read it or that it's the way it's written. And yet there is an author there who debates and argues that you follow the Masoret. Why? As the Brayton Masechet Chagiga explains to us, If somebody is blind in one eye, he is exempt from this mitzvah of going up to the Beit HaMikdash on Yom Tov. Why is he exempt from this mitzvah if he's blind in one eye? It's Xerat HaKatuv, the Pasuk teaches us this. As the verse is understood, Now again, Yir'eh means I see Hashem, which means I appear in front of Hashem. He sees. Yir'eh means I appear in front of Hashem and Hashem sees me. So Yerez, I go to the Beit HaMikdash, I see Hashem. Yerez means I appear in front of Hashem, and Hashem sees me. So we compare Hashem looking at me to me looking at Hashem. Kederech Shebalir just as Hashem comes to see me, and Hashem is perfect, He doesn't have a lacking in His eye that He can't see. Kach Ba'alir so to Hashem comes to be seen by man, meaning I come to see Hashem. Just as Hashem comes with Kaviachol, whatever it means, two eyes, i.e., Hashem's perfect and He's not blind in an eye, and He comes to see me, so too. So, so too, Afleirot, so too Hashem comes to be seen, i.e., I see Hashem, with two eyes. That means if a person, Chas Shalom, is blind in one eye, he would be exempt because he doesn't fit the bill as the Psukim are laying out. But the point you see from this, says the Gemara, is that even though the Kriya and the Ketiv, the way it's read and the way it's written, are the same, there still is a Tano who expounds the Masoret, in this case, Yir'eh, not the way it's read, but the way it's written. So thus we've refuted the fourth attempted answer to say that the debate is only not in a scenario where they're the same pronunciation and read, pronunciation and written. So Ella the Gemara accepts, and this is the final answer. The fifth way to understand is, again, really the debate is across the board, that there's always a machloket, if you follow the mikra or you follow the masoret. And that's even in a scenario where the masoret and the mikra is the same. There's no anomaly. And therefore, that's why you could expound the masoret. That time happens to expound the masoret, even if there's no anomaly. But this brings us back to our question. If that's true and you hold masoret, you follow the way it's written and not the way it's read, so the problem is, how do you know that there's a prohibition to cook meat and milk? Because bachalev could be understood as chelev. That's not the way it's pronounced, but maybe you should follow that masoret. So the answer says the Gemara, The Pasuk says regarding this prohibition of cooking meat, it says, It says, Do not do bishul with the meat. Now what's bishul? In halacha, bishul is considered 
cooking in water or a similar liquid. And as the Gemara says, Derech Bishul Asrat Torah. The Torah is only prohibiting something that is considered done in the way of Bishul. Now, as Rashi explains here, what is the concept of Bishul? Bishul is cooking a solid in with a liquid, meaning a liquid. Bishul is cooking a liquid. So therefore, Chalav is the way to read the Pasuk. Why? Because if it really meant not to cook meat in fat, Chalav, it would not have used the word Bishul. Cooking in fat is called in the Torah tzli. It's called, as Rashi says, uh, sorry, tagun. It's called uh, frying. That's a different word that it would have used. So therefore, says the Gemara, even though there's a shita holds across the board, yeshem lemasoret, that we follow the way it's written over the way it's pronounced when it comes to drashot, nonetheless, in this context, it can't refer to chelev because then the verb that would have been used would have been frying, not the terminology of bishul, as the pasuk says. Therefore, it has to be chalav. That's how we know there's a prohibition of meat and milk cooking together and not fat. So therefore, we, Baruch Hashem, concluded the sugya, the bottom of Dalad and bet, with a clear understanding that really the Machloket Rebbe and the Rabbanan is a Machloket if Yeshem Lemekra Mesoret. And therefore, do you read the word Yarshi'un, which is plural, like Rebbe, which is the Mikra, or Yarshi'an, which is singular, like the Rabbanan, which is Masoret, and that would con- that would create this Machlok, if you need three or five, when it comes to monetary courts. And similarly, we could explain the other debates that we mentioned yesterday, the other four Machloktim, that they could be contingent on this Machloket too. If Yeshem Mikra, Yeshem Masoret. And we said, the only time that the one who says Masoret will agree to Mikra is if clearly the Psukim imply that based on the context as we've shown an example by Basar B'chalav. We're stopping the bottom of the Adam Bet. Ezrat Hashem will start a new sugya tomorrow with Hayam Aleph. Everyone have a wonderful day.